Hey, what is going on, you guys? Welcome to My Blue Thoughts. This is my Dodger podcast, motherfuckers. Um, before we start, I just have to let you know this podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Performa.com. They have all of your fitness accessories. Um, check them out, man. Go to Performa.com. Enter promo code 10POUNDS. That's the name of my other podcast. I don't want two promo codes. It's too complicated. Uh, but anyway, go there and you'll get 15% off. Um, you know what, guys? Let's just get right into it. Really quick, like, let's just get into it. Here we go. New York City. Cold, cold and it's damp. And, and all, all the, the people, people dress like monkeys. Do you guys recognize this song? Let's leave Chicago to the Eskimos. You don't know this song? Are you serious? That town's a little bit too rugged for you and me. You know this fucking song. Oh, that's the intro to this song. What? Who even knew that that song had another part to it? Oh, here we go, you guys. Here we go. Sing it out. Sing it. With a big, big nasty Reddit at my side. What is going on, you guys? What is going on? Like I said, what's going on, man? Welcome to My Blue Thoughts. I'm getting some reverb here. I'm sorry about that. Um, all right, you guys. Let's just get into it, okay? Um, if you've listened to all of the episodes this season, you will know and you will remember that I made some some bold predictions. Some bold predictions. One of the predictions that I made in the preseason, or you know, just in the first episode this season, was that the Dodgers uh, would finish the season 47 and 13. And uh, through 42 games, which means we have 18 left, the Dodgers are 30 and 12, which means that in order for my uh, prophecy to come to fruition, we will need to go 17 and 1. And uh, as much as I am confident in the Dodgers and their ability and their talent and their depth and all those superlatives that go along with it, I just don't see them going on a 17-1 and one run. Not because they're not capable. They're very capable. I mean, they still have the best record in the National League and the Major Leagues, for that matter, and the highest winning percentage by a lot, by the way. Um, but they also have the highest run differential, which uh, I think is a bigger indicator of just how good they are and how potent the offense is. They have a run differential of 0.9 plus 98. Sorry, guys. Um, little uh, tongue-tied here. Uh, will it be fucking dope if they finish the season on a 17-1 and run? Yes, it will. Um, but if they don't, I'm still certain they will finish with a very good record. They're obviously going to win somewhere between 42 and 45 games which is still pretty good, you know. Um, would have liked, like I said, would have liked them to... I would have liked that prophecy to come through, but whatever. Um, but a couple other predictions that Peter Sears made was that uh, I, I predicted 
that the Cy Young would come from one of three people. I said it would be Clayton Kershaw, who, uh, by the way, I don't know if you guys have seen Clayton Kershaw pitch this season, but just to throw some just some basic numbers out there, Clayton's 5-1, and one, and the game he lost, he only allowed three runs. His ERA is 1.5, he's got 41 strikeouts, and a whip of 0.72, which is fucking outstanding. I also said that the Cy Young could be from Walker Bueller or Julio Urias. Now, Walker Bueller, his overall numbers don't showcase just how dominant he's been. You know, he's got a 3.6 ERA. He's only won one game. but He's got 34 strikeouts in 30 innings. Walker, I feel like right now, is kind of like where Clayton Kershaw was at that point in his career where, like, He's, he's already turned the corner, but just a little bit of problem with, you know, throwing too many pitches or maybe, like, losing concentration at a certain point. Um, just saying. Julio Urias, who, like I said, always been a fan. I've been rooting for him since he came up, um, even since before he came up. I thought the Dodgers should have brought him up way sooner than they did. You know, he's 3-0. and and, uh, you know, if the Dodgers, I, I do, ha- I'll, I'll say this because this will lead me to what I'm going to talk about next. Um, you know, I thought, I've, I've thought for the last couple years that the Dodgers have kind of babied Julio Urias and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, take, taking him out of games too early to, you know, save his ego or his arm or both, whatever. You know, and I thought, you know, the best way to learn, obviously, is to just get out there and get those innings in and let him get out of jams and, you know, give him those reins that, you know, loosen those reins that Kershaw has, you know, once he got loosened, you know, he was fucking one of the best pitchers in major leagues. Like, fact, you know, and I thought that this was going to be the season because, you know, he's already, he's a couple years removed from surgeries now, um, short season, but... There's been a couple starts when, like, yeah, same thing with Julio. He hasn't been, like, 100% on his A game, quote-unquote, you know. But, uh, you know, he's still he's still pitching good, and he's still getting guys out, and he's still striking guys out. And it's like, just fucking leave him in there and let him pitch. Let him pitch out of these jams. Like, that's the only way... He's going to build up that experience that he needs, which he has plenty of experience. He's pitched in the postseason. You know, he's been in pennant races. It's not like this is anything new for him. But if you're going to count on him, then fucking count on him. They've taken him out early at least twice, including uh, the game Sunday night, which I, I just, I, I yeah, he didn't have his stuff. But, you know, any Major League Baseball pitcher, or any pitcher for that matter, will tell you, they don't always have their good stuff, you know? You don't always have your A stuff, but, you know, you, you pitch, you know? The, the, the difference is, you know, if you're a guy that throws in the high 90s, mid to high 90s, you can sometimes get away with not having your best quote-unquote stuff. You know, maybe your ball's not tailing, maybe your slider's not biting as much as it should, so you just pitch, you, you, you know, you change location, you... Maybe try to hit your spots, but then again, you know, sometimes if you're not on, it's a little bit harder to hit your spots. Your command isn't there, but, you know, I think that Julio would have a much better record. 
if they just let him, you know, get out of his, some of his jams. So anyway, uh, that prophecy still may very well come into fruition. Um, I think if, if, I, if I had to be honest, with 18 games left, that's about three starts for each of those guys. Um, the one with the best chance, the one with the best shot at that is going to be Clayton. You know, we'll go ahead and say that. But my other prediction, which you guys may or may not remember, uh, was that fucking Corey Seager would be the MVP this year. And everyone was like, Corey Seager, like, he's been hurt the last few years. And uh, okay, uh, Corey Seager right now is hitting fucking 331, 11 home runs, 31 RBIs, and an OPS of over 1,000. Are you fucking serious? He, I mean, he's leading He's leading MLB in... Nope, he's not. I'm sorry. Never mind. <laughs> but, you know, other people will say that, that Mookie, you know, is an MVP candidate. And, you know, he's right up there. But, you know, Mookie's only batting 316. Uh, shout out to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Although he does have 13 homers, they've got the same amount of RBIs. Mookie has stolen a few more bases because, yes, he's faster. Um, had some pretty good plays in right field. But Corey Seager's been playing a great fucking shortstop. And their OPS um, is... All, Mookie's OPS is also over 1,000. So, yeah, maybe Mookie might beat him out because he's the name. But if if the voters are tuning in like I'm tuning in, you know, with everything that Seager's been through, you know, him right there batting behind Mookie on top of that, I think, uh, you know, I think Corey Seager still might get that MVP, um, especially if the Dodgers finish with the best record, which they probably will. But um, it goes, it, it brings me back to what I was going to say, you know, when I was talking about Julio Urias, um, them not, you know, loosening the reins on him a little bit. Uh, the bullpen which was uh, the best bullpen in the National League. We've now dropped out of the number one spot temporarily. Uh, but I think, and this is just me rambling. These are my blue thoughts, you know. But, uh, you know, I think the bullpen has been used a little bit too much. You know, I understood the first, you know, couple weeks of the season. You know, guys didn't have you know, their legs under them, the starters especially. Um, so they couldn't go super deep into games. I get that. You know, you want to save them, you know, cause they, we had it they had, they had spring training and then COVID and then they were off for, you know, two and a half months or so. Then they had another, uh, they ended up calling it summer camp, I think is what the, the running title is now. Um, so they had to like kind of ramp back up. And so like it made sense the first couple innings, but there's been some games and it, it's not on Dave Roberts, you know, I, I we, we've talked about, I mean, maybe it is, but, you know, we all know that the Dodgers team is run a little bit differently than other teams, and uh, there's a lot more input in the, the in-game decisions than uh, in the old days when the manager just used to call all the shots. Dave Roberts does not call all the shots. I've said it, I haven't really had to get into it too much this season because, uh, I think the Dodgers have what what they've done, and, and if you've noticed, you know, with the exception of Jock Peterson, who uh, is now out for a few days, I guess they said, 
with uh, he has some family issues and I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. No, none of us know. I'm not even going to I'm not even going to put it out in the universe what it is. But he has some family issues, so he's left the team um, for the next, you know, few days. Uh, Jock is the only one getting platooned. And I guess you could say A.J. Pollock, kind of. But, you know, he's gotten some starts against right-handers. But with the exception of Jock, everybody else, you know, is going up against all comers. Yeah, of course, you know, you got guys like Kike Hernandez and... Chris Taylor, um, who are going to fill in for other guys, and Edwin Rios, who, you know, these guys have to stay fresh, you know, which I totally get, you know, even though it's not a 162-game season, you know, the adage is that, you know, you don't want a pennant or a division, you know, 162-game season with a 25-man roster, you win it with the 40-man roster, Um but this season is a little bit different because we have expanded rosters. Um, so, you know, more guys are going to get utilized, even though it's not a long grind. Uh, there's a little bit fewer off days in this short burst of game. Anyway, long story short, you're going to get guys days off here and there. You know, especially with the DH, you know, they can they can manipulate the roster a little bit and give guys a day off from defense, but let them hit and so forth. So that being said, I have enjoyed the fact that the Dodgers the analytics department the front office whatever you want to say like I said I've been critical of them in the past but uh, this season they seem to be letting you know that the guys like Muncie and Seeger and uh, fucking who Cody Bellinger you know stay in the lineup against against left-handers because you know that's those are your power guys. You gotta leave them in there. You gotta they gotta be able to do it because you can't just take a guy out because there's a different pitcher in there. You gotta get them their looks, you know. I love Jock. I I've been an advocate of him. He's been one of my favorite players uh since he came up, you know, in, in two thousand fifteen. But, you know, the numbers are what they are and you know, I'll argue that Jock didn't hit lefties because they started platooning him against lefties. And how are you going to get good if you don't, you know, get to see those guys very often? And, you know, I'll I'll, st I'll die on that hill. But the fact of the matter is he's going to get platooned. But everybody else, you know, I think the Dodgers have taken a little bit of a different approach this season because it's a shortened season. Um, you know, I talked about it on the very first episode of this season, episode 4.1. But... You know, I expected the Dodgers to treat this short season a little bit more like a postseason, you know, and kind of where every game is important and you can't just, you know, throw a game away because of matchups and whatnot. And I, I think that they've done that. Yes, there have been some games when maybe they let a lefty sit and so forth and been a little bit more right-handed dominant or left-handed dominant, depending, but, you know... It's not like it used to be, you know, they, they've pretty much gone with the same, you know, six or seven guys on a regular basis. And, and I even heard, uh, I don't even know who was calling the game, the, the game. I, I've been, this is actually cool. So this is a little tidbit, but whatever. Um, I've never had to have, I've never had to have the MLB package. Um, I've had it the last couple years. Because there have been a lot of times when I'm on the road, 
um, during the baseball season and I want to watch the game, so I have it. But, you know, for the most part, I'm just, I get to go home and watch Dodger games on Sportsnet LA, right? Well, as you guys know, I'm in Oklahoma right now, so I can't just turn on Sportsnet LA. So I have to have the MLB package. But um, also a little tidbit <laughs> is uh, where I am staying currently in Rush Springs, Oklahoma. We do not have uh, great internet service. So anyway, the moral of the story is um, I, uh, if I was, uh, I'll get into it. But anyway, um, on the TV, I don't know if you guys have this feature on your television or not, but screen mirroring where you could watch something on your phone and then mirror it to your television and the quality does not get lost. It's just as high def on the television in fact, more so, and you don't have to look at your little phone screen. You could project it onto the TV, and it's fucking awesome. And so me, I tried to do that here because I have the MLB package. They don't have it at the house. I have it, you know, just on my MLB account. Try to screen mirror games from my phone to the television, but because we have bad internet, it doesn't quite, uh, there's, a, there's delay, there's buffering, and it's not good. But because I'm out of the blackout area that I would be if I was in L.A., a lot of the games, the Dodgers have been on MLB and ESPN and fucking TBS, like all the national networks that of games that wouldn't normally be on, uh, on if I was at home, I can watch here, which is great because since I don't have sports in L.A., you know, I got to watch the games on that, but it's been, it's been... I've been lucky enough to have a lot of the games on TV, so I don't have to worry about buffering or anything like that because the internet where I'm at sucks. Anyway, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> so anyway, but like I said, you know, I, I, I've appreciated the fact that the Dodgers have kind of taken a, a more of a every game is important kind of uh, attitude. And I, I think that that's going to be important. And Oh, that's what I was going to say is that the announcers on MLB Network... I forget who it was, but they were even commenting on that, how, you know, in years past, the Dodgers are more matchup driven. And, uh, you know, even in the World Series, you know, they had a bunch of power on the bench because there was a lefty starter and they didn't have Jock or Cody. And I don't I, I, I don't remember which game it was they were talking about, but maybe Muncie was out of the lineup, too. And I'm just like, fuck, yeah, I remember being so pissed off at that in that World Series. And maybe it wouldn't have mattered, but. I just think you got to go out and put your best nine out there, whether they're right-handed, left-handed matchups or not. Like you can't, you can't play numbers in October. You have to play your best guys. So I think they've learned and it's starting to show in, in the, the daily lineups. Like I said, obviously guys are going to get a day off here and there. Um, and I'm totally cool with that because you want to keep guys healthy. And even still, there's still guys in the DL, you know, Justin Turner's on the DL. And you've got Joe Kelly on the DL and you got guys on the DL. So it's going to happen anyway. But if you can prevent that, you know, no one's going to be fucking Cal Ripken in, you know, in 2020 or 20 in just in today's game in general, guys aren't going to do that. I would be fucking shocked if somebody uh, broke Cal Ripken's consecutive games played record. I don't even know who the like the next guy is, like who the current guy is, but I guarantee you he's nowhere near fucking where Cal Ripken was. I think that record's safe. Um, other records I think are safe, fucking Ricky Henderson. I don't think anyone is going to even come fucking close 
to breaking Ricky Henderson's stolen base record. Um, the only reason I think about that, <laughs> what brought that to mind, was the fact that, uh, whatchamacallit, Lou Brock passed away um, last week. Very sad. You know, I remember Lou Brock um, being, you know, the all-time stolen base leader, and then Ricky Henderson broke that record. And, you know, I, I loved watching Ricky Henderson, man. Ricky Henderson was a fucking, <laughs> you know, I talked about a couple weeks ago when the Dodgers were going to play the Mariners. I talked about how I used to love watching Ken Griffey Jr. And, you know, he was my favorite player. But before Griffey came along, you know, I was a Ricky Henderson guy and I was a Bo Jackson guy. Are you fucking kidding me? These guys were fucking athletes. Ricky Henderson, for those of you guys that were wondering, stole 1,406 bases. 1,406 is the mark that's never going to get fucking broken. I don't care. It's just not going to happen. Nobody steals bases anymore. Do you know Ricky Henderson stole 130 bases one year? 130, dude. That's a fucking lot. 130? Are you serious? What did the leading the leading uh what did the leading guy get in stolen bases last season? I'm just gonna look this up. In real time. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna look it up right now. Hold on. So he stole a hundred and thirty bases, okay, in one season. In two thousand nineteen, the most stolen bases was Ronald Acuna with 37. What? <laughs> 37. The year before that, it was Trey Turner with 43. The year before that, my boy Flash D. Gordon, 60. There hasn't been anyone close to Ricky Henderson basically since Ricky Henderson. You got guys in the 70s, 70s. Vince Coleman who was, was also a big stolen base guy, was the last person to come even close, and he stole 109 bases. Remember Vince Coleman? Played for the Cardinals and the Braves for a long time. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but that fool stole a lot of fucking bases, man. He stole 752. That's a lot, too. Honestly, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not going to get fucking broken ever, but whatever. Anyway, um... I love Ricky Henderson. He was my fucking dude. He would fucking hit a home run and just pimp it. He would do a little hop, you know, and then he would fucking pop his collar. <laughs> he would pop his collar and fucking run the bases and do a little stutter step as he was rounding each base. Dude, he was fucking great. Dude. I fucking loved Ricky Henderson. Uh, anyway, I do want to talk about uh, something very sad that happened this past week. Uh, leading into uh, when I recorded last week's episode, it was uh, right before the trade deadline. And I knew the Dodgers weren't necessarily just the language and what I was hearing from like Dave Roberts and such. Uh, it was pretty obvious that the Dodgers felt that they got all the talent they needed. You know, they made the trades that they needed. They made the free a agent acquisitions in the offseason that they needed. So, you knew that they were probably pretty happy. I mean, when you have the best record by far, um, and you're just dominating everybody, you don't really need 
uh, to go out and get anybody unless it's like a game changer and unless they're you know they're going to be more than just a you know rental for the rest of the season. Uh, in a in a regular season, you know, in a full 162 game season, I'm sure the Dodgers might have made a move, but you know, in a 60 game season, it's just but you know you know where I'm going with this. And the Dodgers traded Ross Stripling, Chicken Strip, and uh, you know that was sad for me. You know, no matter what, year in and year out. Dodger fans like myself, no matter what, with the exception of the end of the 2010 season, or was it 10 or 11, when all that fucking st- no, there's 2010, 2011, when all the Frank McCourt nonsense came out and fans actually stopped going to Dodger games. I'll tell you this: it certainly didn't hurt that the Dodgers didn't have a great record and they weren't necessarily in contention in 2011. I mean, they weren't shitty, but it helps to not go to games when the team is not doing, you know, great. Um, But the Dodger fans did not come, you know, towards the end when all that stuff came out. And it was very sad for me because as a Dodger fan, obviously love going to Dodger games and I love the energy. Even though I talk shit about Dodger fans a lot, (laughs) rightfully so, there's some fucking dumb ones. Um... It is awesome when that place is loud, man, and there's nothing like it. And, you know, I've been like, yeah, I talked about it, but I've been watching these games on television like everybody else because we can't be there. And you hear the crowd noise and you kind of forget for a minute, but then you're like, oh, yeah, there's nobody fucking there, dude. That's weird. How weird must it be for the players? But the energy of the crowd, I just, I just fucking, uh, I miss it, man. You know, and no matter what, like I said, myself, other Dodger fans, we're going to root for the Dodgers, you know, no matter who they get, no matter who they get rid of, you know, it hurts. Sometimes there's been some trades in the Dodgers past that have really hurt my feelings. Um, I'll go I'll go down the line and kind of recall some of my trades that, you know, made me sad. I was really sad when the Dodgers traded away Eric Davis. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember Eric Davis. He was a fucking stud. And then he came to the Dodgers had a bad year, got hurt, um, was hurt quite a bit, actually, um, but then came and he had had a really good season, and he was always a five-tool player, but then they traded him because they weren't competitive, I believe, in 93, um, and that made me sad, but then they went on strike, so it didn't even fucking matter anyway, so anyway, or did they go on strike in 94? I'm trying to remember. All I know is that the Dodgers were doing really good and they traded Eric. Eric Davis is having a good season and they traded him because the Dodgers didn't have a good record. Anyway, um, Eric Davis, that trade made me sad. Um, I was very sad when the Dodgers traded Piazza. I, I mean, I say sad, but really I was more upset because I knew that it was Mike Piazza's fault that the Dodgers had traded him. They offered him a contract that would have, at the time, made him the highest-paid player in Major League Baseball, but he turned it down because he wanted longer. And the Dodgers were like, eh, you're a catcher. It'd be kind of silly to give you that many years. And he was like, eh, well, I'm not going to sign this extension. And then they were like, all right, well, cool, we'll trade you. And they fucking traded him and altered the course of the Dodgers for you know the next decade almost You know after they traded Piazza. Um, 
but my point is, uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm just recalling some of my trades that made me sad. I was very, I was broken-hearted after that following Piazza when the Dodgers went and traded fucking Eric Karros. That made me sad. Rewind just a little bit because I think I believe they traded Karros, uh, 2004 before the 2004 season, um, or 2003, maybe it's 2003. It was the year that the Marlins won the World Series because I remember the Cubs playing the Marlins and Eric Karras was there. I was rooting for the Cubs. One, because I love Chicago. It's a great fucking city, but I kind of wanted to Eric Karras and Mark Grezelonic. What? How's that for a fucking shout out? What's up, Mark? Um, but before that, uh, they traded Raul Mondesi for Sean Green, which, you know, I loved Raul Mondesi because that fool had a fucking cannon, and I actually picked up some tips from him that helped me uh, in my high school baseball career, um, watching him do, uh, I, I can't really get into it, but there was a move that I, I, that's, you know, I used to learn a lot of baseball things just by watching, like, I've always been a student of baseball, and I learned how to come up throwing from the outfield, from watching Brett Butler, they used to do these little tips for, for Dodger games back in the day. And they would have a player, and they would show you how to do certain things. And I remember Brett Butler teaching us how to come through the ball and crow hop and all that stuff. And that's how I did it, and I practiced it, and then I got really good at it. Um, but I remember Raul Mondesi doing this thing where he would run to his left because he, you know, his glove side is the left side. He throws right-handed, and he would get the ball. You would catch it running to his left, and then pivot and throw it to second base. And I remember seeing that, and I'm like, oh, because it, it just eliminates those extra few steps that you have to take to stop and then throw. He would just fucking step, pivot, and throw. And then so I remember doing it, and I remember my high school coach saying, like, uh, that's what's going to get you a scholarship to college, just making that play every time. And I'm like, wow, like, thanks, Raul Mondesi. You know, anyway, so I was sad when they traded Raul Mondesi, kind of, but they got they traded him for Sean Green, which I wasn't sad about, and so... Whatever. Uh, also, I was sad in the Dodgers trade of Paula Duca, man. That fucking broke my heart, too. I uh, loved Paula Duca at the time. You know, the Dodgers weren't super competitive. They were always kind of in it, but that was kind of in the drought between, you know, 95 or 96. 95. 96. Dodgers didn't make the playoffs for like eight years, and Paula Duca was kind of in that middle. And then just as the Dodgers were getting good, they fucking trade him to the Marlins. Fucking what, dude? They traded him. I was so fucking sad. But we got Brad Penny where you're like, big fucking deal, man. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. I'm just going to keep laming all the guys that made me sad. But I think the one, the trade that really got me and that kind of makes this full circle is the Matt Kemp trade. Matt Kemp was my favorite Dodger. He was my favorite Dodger. He just, he was cool. He played the same position as me. He hit right-handed. Like, I saw a lot of myself in him, even though he's, like, six inches taller than me and, like, 100 pounds heavier than me and stronger than me and faster than me and has a better arm than me. All those things, uh, I saw a lot of myself in him. <laughs> I can relate to players that seem to same, to play the same position that I play. Um, I loved Matt Kemp. I was brokenhearted when they traded him. And then, lo and behold, 2018, they fucking bring him back. 
And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Matt Kemp is, is back. And my favorite player is back on my favorite team. This is fucking great. And then he gets to fucking to the All-Star game. And then, you know, I don't know what happened, but he kind of like started to take a dive. And then he just stopped fucking playing him. And then, you know, he hit a home run, I remember, against the Red Sox in Fenway Park. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. That's what I'm talking about. Fucking. And then they let him go again and whatever. And that kind of brings me back, you know, even though the Dodgers lost against the Rockies this weekend, um, two out of three they lost. They were good games. Um, but it kind of makes me go back to what I was talking about. The bullpen gave up some runs late in the game. They gave up quite a few runs over the last few games. But I think it's because these guys are tired because they're being overworked because they're not letting guys like Julio and Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin pitch deep into games for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think they let, they need to let these guys go out there for that fifth inning, for that sixth inning, maybe even that seventh inning. Give the bullpen a rest so they're more rested, so they're more fucking refreshed, so they can come in there and shut the door so that the Dodgers don't lose two out of three games, which pisses me off because now we've lost the series finally, and I don't like that. So anyway, but I was happy that Matt Camp hit the home run. I didn't want the Dodgers to lose, but if we're going to lose, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it being a go-ahead home run by Matt Kemp. Which, by the way, also, I love Matt Kemp, but Matt Kemp got fucking fat, dude. Matt Kemp gained a shitload of weight. The first time I saw them playing ahead of the Rockies, I was like, Matt Kemp, more like Fat Kemp. Fucking, I don't know what the hell, man. Like, you know, I was kind of bummed when they let him go, and then, you know, last year he kind of bounced around between the Reds and the Mets, and then I think he was going to be with the Marlins this season and then they released him and then he got caught you know when Ian Desmond opted out of the season the Rockies signed him on a minor league deal and I guess he performed well enough in spring training to you know and I was excited for him and I still am but he's not even starting all the time on the Rockies so it's just like man I feel bad but he let himself go and I love him but Matt I think you need to lower your carb intake a little bit buddy I'm just saying lower your carbs do some more cardio. Maybe you could stick around a few more years. That's all I'm saying, dude. But, like, if I come to a workout, if I'm a pro scout, and they're like, hey, Matt Kemp's doing a workout, you go look at him, you're like, holy shit, who ate Matt Kemp? That's all I'm saying. Anyway, I was that was the one that broke my heart the most, so I still root for the guy. Anyway, Ross Stripling got traded. Now we're back for a full circle. The reason why Ross Stripling, I'm sad, is one... Everything I hear about him, you hear he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Everybody loves him. He's nice to everybody, including myself. I don't know if you guys remember the story, but, uh, you know, last season, Ross did, like, a contest on Instagram. I think it was Instagram. Maybe Twitter. No, it was Instagram. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, where he was giving away a pair of signed cleats, and lo and behold, my little brother Travis won the contest so you know he sent them to my brother my brother made a video of unboxing the cleats and whatever and that was super nice of ross i mean you know like the, here's the thing you guys these players you know you want to call them spoiled and whatever what i would never say that they're fucking getting paid to do their job and if you can get fifty thousand people to show up to do your job then you deserve to get paid 30 million dollars a year too but last time i checked probably not going to fucking happen. No one's going to go into fucking Sam's Club and 50,000 people ain't going to Sam's Club to watch you fucking push a cart. You know what I'm saying? Nothing against Sam's Club, but fuck Sam's Club. That's all I'm saying. It's all about Costco. Everybody knows that. 
Also, fuck COVID. There's no samples at Costco right now. It's bullshit. Okay. Anyway, um, so he he, the thing is, oh yeah, that was my point. Is yeah, like these players, they get all the gear, they get all the cleats and the batting gloves, and I'm pretty sure they have to pay for their bats, but I could be I could, I could be wrong. Uh, but they get a lot of shit for free. So for a player to give away a pair of his cleats, it's not really it's not really that much of a gesture. I mean, it's it's a kind gesture, but like it's not like it's a ton of money. Yet. And even if they are paying for them, you know, the minimum salary in MLB I believe is four hundred thousand four fifty four hundred fifty thousand dollars. I believe is the minimum, or it's like four sixty eight, or it was. This season, it's less because of the shortened season, but whatever. We don't need to get into that. Point being, it's not a lot for them to give away a pair of cleats. For me, I'm like, hey, man, I spent 100 bucks on these bucking cleats. I ain't giving them to nobody. But for him, it's not that much. But at the same time, for a fan to get a pair of signed cleats from a Major League Baseball player, like, it goes so much further than, you know, whatever little cost it is to the player. Like, it goes a long way. And for, like, a kid or, like, for, like, my nephews, it's like, wow, that's so cool. Like, they look up to these guys. I remember being a kid and fucking looking. If I would have got a batting glove or a pair of cleats as a kid, are you fucking serious? I'm that fan for life. I talk about this all the time. Gary Carter gave me his autograph for no reason other than the fact that he wanted to give me his autograph because he saw Will Clark yell at me. By the way, fuck Will Clark. I say it. Then I'll say it now. He's a fucking piece of shit. Fuck Will Clark. That's all I'm saying. Um, anyway, I, I never forgot that. Gary Carter became one of my favorite players after that. But anyway, um, <laughs> for Ross Stripling to, to be kind enough to do that contest and give my brother the cleats was great. But then, uh, you know, a few weeks later, I go to Arizona for spring training because I was performing in Phoenix last season and during spring training. Um, and I see Ross, I'm like, Ross, what's up? My brother Travis is the one that won your cleats. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. I'm like, what's up, man? And we start talking and, you know, we take a picture together and he was really nice. And I invited him to my shows and he's like, oh, we got plans, you know, but then like, you know, we would message each other, you know, every once in a while. Like, I don't want to be like one of those, like, 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 like fucking Robert De Niro in the fan and fucking start stalking him. But like, you know, like we exchange messages from time to time and, uh, he was just a, he just that meant a lot to me, you know. I've seen players, big league dudes, um, and so it was nice for him to take the time to talk to me and take the time to you know message me back on social media every once in a while, and you know, and so he was a good dude, and I rooted for him, and he was you know a homegrown talent, and uh, I was really bummed that the Dodgers traded him, but it just goes to show you know the uh, the importance of having depth because the Dodgers have so much depth that they were like, eh, we can afford to let this guy go. Let him go somewhere where he has a guaranteed spot. And I mean, it was just, they did what was best for Ross at that point. Plus we got guys like Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin, who I talked about last time, who are just fucking dealing. And I mean, maybe they pushed him out a little bit because of their success. It's a good problem to have, but you know, it hurt my feelings because I rooted for the guy. Um, I'm going to miss him. Good luck in Toronto, Ross Stripling. I'm sure um, you'll you'll do great there. You know, he'll be, he'll be reunited with Hunjin Ryu. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was sad. But um, the Dodgers have 
only five games this week. They've got three games in Arizona, which Arizona, I mean, at this point, fucking the Dodgers swept them last week. So I don't uh, I don't really know what else they can do other than fucking sweep them again. It's a little bit of a stretch to say that they're going to sweep them again, but it is possible. And then the Dodgers have two games against the Astros in L.A., which is kind of fucking bullshit because as much as I talk shit to all the Dodger fans that, you know, we're going to go to Anaheim to boo the Astros when the fucking Angels are playing, which still I think is the most loser fucking shit you can do. Um, I'm glad. I'm, I'm kind of glad. This is the one instance where I'm glad that COVID has stopped fans from being in the games because that would have been an embarrassment as a Dodger fan to turn on the TV or turn on SportsCenter or MLB Network and see fucking 10,000 Dodger fans at a game that doesn't even, you know, inc- have the Dodgers playing two completely separate teams that are not the Dodgers and have 10,000 fucking ghetto-ass Dodger fans there booing because they're sad that the Astros cheated in 2017. You're a fucking loser. I'm so glad that that's not, that's not happening. However, it does kind of rob us from the ability of having the Astros come to L.A. And then, then yeah, when they come to L.A., you could fucking boo them, man. I'm totally fine with that. Boo the fuck out of the Astros when they come to L.A. I have no problem with that. Whatever. I mean, yeah, dude, fucking own it. But um, we're going to have to wait for next year for that because the Astros are coming to L.A. next year and there better be fucking fans there. God damn it. Um, so anyway, they've got three games against the Diamondbacks this week. Uh two games against the Astros. Uh, My prediction from last week, I said that the Dodgers would probably go 4-2, and and they did. So even though it didn't quite happen how I wanted it to, uh, they went 4-2, so that's really all that matters. With five games, um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Dodgers go 4-1. and I don't think they'll sweep the Astros again, although I would like them to. That would be a great fuck you to the Astros and their fans. Um, I think maybe, maybe, maybe they... Maybe the Dodgers, you know, take two of three in Arizona and sweep the Astros. All I know is that after this week, I want the Dodgers to go four and one. But also, I kind of would like them to go five and zero oh because then I still have a shot at my forty-seven and thirteen prediction. But whatever. Anyway, uh, you guys, for all of you guys that listen, thank you so much. I, I really do mean that. I can't stress enough how important it is that you guys tune in every week to hear me talk Dodger baseball. Um, I really appreciate it. If you are anywhere near Tulsa, Oklahoma, I'm performing there this week, uh, Wednesday through Saturday, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, uh, six shows total. And uh, if you are or if you know anybody, tell them to come see me, man. I'm so excited to get back on stage. Um, I'm kind of getting some of my life back, which is cool. I've got some other dates on the horizon. So, you know, it's things are happening. But at the end of the day, this fucking... I love watching the Dodger baseball. I love talking it. And uh, I I, I appreciate you guys listening. So thank you. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.